Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Uh, sometimes that is better. You eat chicken on Thanksgiving? It just tastes so damn good. Wolfman's gone The opening credits were kind of cool, though, right? Here's Johnny. When the Wolfbane blooms, thou art the one. Slut! Star Child. You are not going to die from a shit. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Hello and welcome to yet another edition of the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast. I'm Josh, and as always, I'm joined here with Professor Smoke. Donnie and Will are both on assignment this week. They couldn't make it to the recording, so it's just going to be me and the professor chatting it up here. Today we're going to be talking, it's going to be our latest Spook Show Spotlight, which we haven't done one in a little while. I think we were talking about it on uh, uh, the other day, and I think the uh, the... The last one we did was the uh, Origins of Halloween back in September, so we had some yeah. special stuff in October. So this is the first Spook Show Spotlight in a while. We picked a good topic. We're going to be talking about the, the career of Clive Barker. We figured the timing of it would be just right, you know, since we uh, just did Hellraiser last week. And that's going to kind of be the beginning of a new series that we'll dip in and out of, you know, over time. Because I think what we, we counted, there's like... If you include the new one that's supposed to be coming out in 2022, there's like 10 more Hellraiser movies <laughs> that, we, that we need to watch over time. So, yeah, uh, the patrons did, really did a, a number on us this time in picking Hellraiser. It's kind of like the, first, the next series to watch because uh, there are tons of them. And I've only, myself, I've only watched probably like the first three or four of those. I know the first yeah, three for uh, sure. Yeah, I haven't seen too many more beyond that myself. Like, I, I didn't even see the one where it's in space. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, this, I mean, I did see, I did jump to the, I mean, I saw the first, probably the first four as well. And I, I saw the, I don't know if it was the last one, the one that had somebody besides Doug Bradley playing tennis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did see that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'll we'll get to all of them eventually. You know, just over the next year or so, uh, we'll dip in and out of it. Like I said, but uh, that was the the beginning of it last week, and now we're we're taking the next step. And like we said, we only kind of briefly talked about Clive Barker in that episode because we knew we were going to be getting to this. So we're going to uh, dive deep into that in just a second. But I'll go ahead and throw out the usual information before we dive in. Uh, if you want to email us or contact us in any way, you know that way. You can do so at allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter. Our handle is at Show. Of course, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, uh, TikTok, the Slasher app. You should be able to find us on all those by searching for All American Spook Show. Same deal over on YouTube. Every Wednesday night, we've been going live with Deadline Horror News. Um, but if you can't uh, join us, it's usually Wednesday nights around 9 p.m. East when we do those. If you can't join us live, they get archived, so you can go over there to the channel and uh, listen to those. All these things are linked down in the show notes of this episode. There's a link tree. Click on that, and you'll see all the links to all the different things. Of course, we have a T Public page. You can find that there as well, where you get the logoed merchandise, any other cool designs that we have over there. That's available. Helps out the cause uh, if you pick up one of the, the shirts or masks or mugs or whatever else they got with the logo on it. 
uh, it would be greatly appreciated. And, of course, the big one is patreon.com slash Show. There, uh, the main attraction is every Tuesday we have a new video mini-show that goes up where we do the Library of the Professor where Smoke takes something from his vast library that you see in the videos behind him, and he'll talk about it, give his ratings, or if it's just a book, uh, a mask, a toy, anything. It's pretty much any object, anything he decides he wants to talk about, we do it every Tuesday over on Patreon. And, of course, you can, if you join Patreon, you can vote in our monthly poll. This month for November, we're you're voting on a newer Christmas movie that we're going to watch in December. I believe it is the uh, second Christmas movie that we're going to be watching uh, next month. So that is like literally the episode that comes out right before Christmas um, on December 20th, episode 87. That's the one you'll be voting on. And your three choices are The Ginger Dead Man starring Gary Busey, Krampus from 2015, I believe it was, you know, the the main theatrical. Because it, it seems like there's multiple Krampuses, right, Smoke? Like, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> probably around that same time, too. Because, you know, it's like whenever there's a big Hollywood horror release, there's always some knockoff that comes on, comes out around the same time. But uh, this was like the mainstream one from 2015. And then we're going to be watching the one with Bill Goldberg and it called Santa's Slay. So the, the theme basically there is not not only are they newer, um, but they're all they're all kind of like Christmas horror comedies. Those are your three choices. If you join us on uh, patreon.com slash Show, you can vote in the poll and then we'll announce a winner next month for what we're going to be watching. And then, of course, we'll have another poll next month for a movie that we're going to be watching in January and so on. Every month we have a new one. So that's the uh, and of course, if you're a patron over there on top of those things. You also get the uh, the weekly episodes early. Uh, we we don't tell you exactly. We don't know exactly when you'll get them, but you'll get them before the masses get them uh, every Monday at 6 p.m. East. You'll get it before that if all goes well. You know, if it goes to plan, that's uh, that's the way you get your hands on it sooner than everybody else. So be one of the cool kids. Join us on Patreon and uh, help us out. Get all this cool stuff. Plus, we have other bonus stuff that we're, you know, we're, we're always working on. Uh, there's always something new over there, so check that out. I guess we'll go ahead and dive into Clive Barker himself and, and his career and kind of uh, uh, tidbits about his life and everything. So, Clive Barker, and that's his actual, uh, like, uh, you know, legal name, too. Like, best I can tell, like, there's not, you know, his name's not really John Doe, and he took on a, <laughs> a pen name of Clive Barker. That's his name. Uh, he was born October 5th, 1952. In Liverpool, Lancashire, England, United Kingdom. He has a lot of titles because this dude really is like a, a renaissance man in a lot of ways. Like He's, he's done a lot in his life. Uh, he's an author, a film director, a screenwriter, an actor, producer. He's a playwright, an artist, a painter, illustrator. Uh, he's worked on comics as a writer and as an artist. I mean, the dude's done a little bit of everything. <laughs> and even back in his younger days, uh, in his early writing days, he worked as a male prostitute. So <laughs> he's literally <laughs> done he's, he's, he's done all the uh, uh, all of the arts and then the world's oldest profession. But, yeah, I mean, like, interesting man, if nothing else. Like, it's almost like that, remember that old Dulce Ekes commercial, The World's Most Interesting Man, you know, where this dude's done a little bit of everything, like Forrest Gump style. <laughs> Clive Barker is almost like that, like almost like a horror version of that. So I guess, like, really, you know, since we mainly talk about uh, movies here, obviously, and we dip our toes into other pools every now and then, but, you know, movies are mostly what we'll talk about. 
So I, I guess I'll kind of run through that first, since that's kind of like one of the main things that a lot of people would know him from other than like his his novels and stuff, right? He's only got six directing credits. Uh, he, he directed a couple short films in the 70s, but then in 1987, he directed Hellraiser, which we just talked about last week. And then in 1990, he directed Nightbreed. And then in 1995, he directed Lord of Illusions. Uh, then there was a video in 1998 called Clive Barker's Salome and the Forbidden, which I, I don't really know much about that one. But So basically, really, three main films that he's directed, Hellraiser, Nightbreed, and Lord of Illusions. And I think all those are kind of horror classics, right, Smoke? Yeah. Yeah, they've uh, Nightbreed. I remember seeing that in the theater, and then they came out later with the big director's cut version of it. It being based on his novel called Cabal. He has 42 writing credits on IMDb that date back to 1973. He wrote the uh, the short film Salome, and the one Forbidden in 19, the Forbidden in 1978. Those were the same two that he directed, you know, in the 70s too. So I'm I'm assuming this must have been some stuff he worked on when he was in school. And then shortly thereafter, maybe actually that might have been shortly thereafter because I believe he was in uh, in school like late 60s, early 70s. So some of the first stuff he did there, he wrote the screenplay for Underworld in 1985 and then the screenplay for Rawhead Rex in 1986. And it's basically because of those two things, he kind of decided to take it on himself uh, when uh, with Hellraiser in 1987 because it was basically like, Kind of like the same premise like we talked about with Stephen King with Maximum Overdrive. Well, hell, I could do that. You know, <laughs> I, think yeah. it was, I think it was somewhat of his mentality. So, fuck it. Then he decided to do Hellraiser, um, which was based on the Hellbound Heart, which we talked about last week. After that, he he actually uh, wrote an episode of Tales from the Dark Side uh, that same year. Uh, the Yattering and Jack. Uh, that, Like I said, that came out in 1987. Uh, then, you know, of course, Hellbound, Hellraiser 2. In 1988, that was based on a story by him. Uh, like you just mentioned, Smoke uh, Nightbreed, that was, he wrote the screenplay and it was based on his novel Cabal. Let's skip ahead here. I'm just looking at like stuff he had, uh, you know, Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth. Of course, he gets, uh, you know, based on characters created by credit on that one. Uh, Candyman in 1992, that was based on The Forbidden. Um, so I I'm assuming that means that's the same short film, The Forbidden that he uh, did back in 1978, unless he did another forbidden work. I'm not sure. That's another classic, right? Uh, the the original Candyman. Yeah. Yeah, and I've, I've never seen the forbidden... Well, I haven't seen any of his movies prior to Hellraiser. Mm -hmm. Well, that he directed. I mean, I saw... Yeah, I mean, it was only uh, the two short films. Wrote. Yeah, the, there was only yeah. the two short films that I can tell, because basically it looks like everything before that time, and then we'll get into his novels in just a second, was theater work. Because that was where he kind of, that's where he cut his teeth, really, in the seven, you know, throughout the 70s was uh, working in theater. But, no, myself, I'm the same. I've never seen The Forbidden, but I have seen Candyman, obviously. Yeah. I know he had, I, now, when it comes to the sequels, I don't know how much of a hand he had. It might have just been the, you know, characters created by credit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, certainly because, the first uh, one. yeah, Candyman, Farewell to the Flesh in 95, it just says story by. So I think that's more of like yeah. a you know just kind of giving him credit where it's due there. He wrote he did write the screenplay for Lord of Illusions and that was based on his story The Last Illusion uh, in that same year 1995. He did a TV movie or he wrote a TV movie or no I'm sorry uh, I guess it's another story by The Body Politic that the name of the TV movie is called Quicksilver Highway 
that came out in 1997. Candyman, Day of the Dead, you know, once again, based upon characters he created. Uh, and then you kind of go down the list, like Hellraiser Inferno, Hell, Hellraiser Hellseeker, you know, all those other Hellraiser movies that we haven't got to yet. He gets credit on those. There was a story that he wrote called, or uh, for a TV movie called Saint Center. That was in 2002. Uh, he actually wrote or had a hand in two of the Masters of Horror series. Remember that and that we've mentioned on and yep. off over the, over time in 2006. Valerie on the Stairs, that was based on a story by him. And then another short story, Hackle's Tale. So two of those episodes of Masters of Horror uh, directly tied to Clive Barker. The Midnight Meat Train in 2008, which <laughs> is an awesome title that I've never actually sat down and watched that damn movie. Like, I've always like, man, I need to watch yeah. that, and then I just never have. But uh, that's... Yeah, a, that, that's that we should probably push up into the show somewhere then because uh, I might be the only one that has seen of all of us that have seen it. Yeah, probably. More than likely. And now that we're talking about it, if you haven't seen that one, I think that's one that, I don't know, it's kind of hard to judge, but sometimes, yeah, I think that's one that pretty much everybody would like to varying degrees of, mm -hmm. you know, some people like it more than others, but it's a well-made, newer Fire Barker adaptation. Yeah, I, I remember seeing the trailers at the time, and, and like obviously the name is catchy, like Midnight Meat Train. You know, like that's going to catch your yeah, attention. That goes you know. back to his old book of blood. That's yeah. one of the stories from there. Yeah, and that's a short story, the the Midnight Meat Train. So yeah, I'm assuming that uh, that's where that comes from. You know, as far as his connection to it. But but the following year in 2009, Book of Blood, which was short stories, the Book of Blood and On Jerusalem Street, uh, that was another film. And then another film based on his work, Dread, in the same year, 2009. Uh, a few more of the Hellraiser movies, you know, on, in time after that. This was something fairly new, just from 2020, and I couldn't find much about it. I think they're like, uh, kind of like short, it's like a short series of like microfilms or something. I think it was kind of the way it was put. It's called Hellbound Laments. And this came out in 2020. And I obviously it's just all stuff that, you know, inspired by the works of Clive Barker or whatever, but... There's, uh, I think, 13 episodes here, and uh, they all have, you know, they're all based on his stories and stuff like Lament Configuration, The Box of Sorrows, which that's obviously got to be the, you know, the box from Hellraiser. Scribe Configuration, Well of Inspiration, Innocence Puzzle, Sherlock Holmes and the Servants of Hell, Innocence Puzzle, The Bad Date, uh, The Brash Bushido, Innocence Puzzle, The Lost Configuration, The Midian Configuration. So I guess it's basically all based on a lot of this stuff from the Books of Blood, I guess, or the Hellraiser stuff. Um, but that could be interesting to dig around and find that stuff and maybe do a, a little spotlight on that because I think they're kind of like little small short films. I don't think it would be like a whole involved thing to like blow through all of them. And, you know, if we can get right. our hands on it and talk about that, that'd be kind of cool. Tw just last year, 2020, Books of Blood, and that's obviously from the Book of Blood. And then the new Candyman that just came out this year, that's based on his the forbid you know short story the forbidden which we you know we mentioned a minute ago and then of course we 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 can't go without mentioning that there is going to be a new Hellraiser next year and then apparently they have announced that there's going to be a Nightbreed television series although that doesn't have a date on it yet so who knows if and when we'll ever see that but so there is some yeah. more Hellraiser and Nightbreed stuff coming so Clive Barker's work just continues to be you know, done in new ways, and it just continues on and on. He's got 21 producing credits. Most of it's all, you know, the stuff we just mentioned. And, of course, he's actually got 12 acting credits, believe it or not. He was in his two short films back in the 70s. Uh, he was in Sleepwalkers 
1992. He was a forensic tech in that movie, Sleepwalkers. Now, that's Stephen King, based on Stephen King, right? Sleepwalkers? Yeah, I think it's, I, can't, I believe, well, it's a Stephen King movie that he wrote, the, I'm pretty sure he wrote the story and screenplay for the movie. I don't believe it's based on okay. a pre-existing. I just know it had something to do with Stephen King, right? I'm, I'm, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's a forensic tech in that movie, so that's kind of a cool little nod there. <laughs> he was in the Motorhead music video of Hellraiser in 1992. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's an interesting thing. We could just talk about that for a moment, because that song was written by Lemmy for Ozzy Osbourne's uh, No More Tears album, and then Lemmy recorded it. It was used in Hellraiser 3, Hell on Earth, and I believe in the end credits. And it's called Hellraiser, but the lyrics in the song have absolutely nothing at all to do with the movies of Hellraiser. <laughs> you know, it's just basically about a rocker, about rockers not retire and quit, you know. Yeah, just a Hell- dude being a Hellraiser versus uh, yeah. not not anything to do with uh, uh, Pinhead and, uh, yeah. <laughs> and all that. Let's see, he was in an episode of the TV series The Others. Uh, just, you know, random stuff, a few short films. One is most recently is 2017, Vault of the Macabre, The House Upon the Hill. He was the narrator in that short film. So really, as far as, like, film and, and, and all that stuff, that's really about, you know, uh, all worth mentioning there. So I guess we can di- kind of dive into his bibliography, so to speak, and his other work. Like I said, kind of cut his teeth in theater. Because when he was in school, or you know, that shortly thereafter, he actually wrote some plays. Uh, well before he started writing any of these books and any of this Hellraiser stuff and Pinhead and all that stuff, he wrote two plays for the the Mute Pantomime Theater in the '70s. One called A Clown Sodom, and then Day of the Dog. Uh, then he co-founded the Dog Company, which was like an avant-garde theater troupe in 1978. Uh, and there he wrote a number of plays, but most notably there. That's where he, I guess he kind of met up and started working with Doug Bradley throughout the late 70s and early 80s. And Peter Atkins, who went on to write Hellraiser 2, 3, and 4. You know, I guess after he kind of like, you know, well, I did the first one, I'm out. You know, <laughs> But when he was with the dog company, he wrote from 1978 till 1982, he wrote The Sack, The Magician, Dog, Night Lives, History of the Devil, Dangerous World, Paradise Street, and Frankenstein and Love, <laughs> and The Secret Life of Cartoons. Then uh, he wrote three plays for the Cockpit Youth Theater from 82 to 83, Crazy Face, Subtle Bodies, and Colossus. And there are two collections, I guess, of his plays, uh, Incarnations, three plays in 1995, and then Forms of Heaven, three plays in 1996. So that that was really kind of where he, uh, you know, got into writing and everything was working that way. And, and it's an obvious transition to not only writing novels and short stories and stuff, but making the films. So you, you can see how, uh, you know, that kind of formed where he, you know, took it on the next level when he started writing novels. Uh, his first novel was The Damnation Game in 1985. Then he wrote, he started the Hellraiser series. That first one was called The Hellbound Heart in 1986. Then there were two more in the Hellraiser series, The Scarlet Gospels in 2015, and then, uh, according to this, Hellraiser of the Toll in 2018, uh, which is, it says story only, so I'm not exactly sure, you know, uh, uh, too much about that one. But that's really one of his more recent works right there. Uh, 1987, he wrote Weave World. 1988, Cabal. Uh, in 89, he started the Books of the Art series with The Great and Secret Show. And then in 1994, he wrote Everville. That was part of the Books of the Art series. 1991, Imagica, 
1992, The Thief of Always. 1996, Sacrament. 1998, Galilee. 2001, Cold Heart Canyon. And also that year, Tortured Souls, which was a uh, novelette starring the characters of the series of six action figures that he made, that he had a part in making called Tortured Souls. Uh, we were talking about that a little bit off air. You, you think you have one of the features or one of the uh, figures from that series, right? The Tortured Souls? Yeah, I believe it is. One of the, I, I bought it loose. I, I remember seeing them sometimes back in stores. I never, I never actually had bought the set or bought them in the packaging or anything. I, I think I found one somewhere loose, and it's definitely one of the series. I haven't I haven't ID'd the, what the name of the figure is yet, but uh, I believe, I'm believe I'm pretty sure it's from the Tortured Souls. And I remember hearing about something when that set came out that uh, it didn't sell as well as, I think it was the McFarlane Toys that put it out. More than likely, I believe it was McFarlane. Yeah, I'm not sure about the first series. Like I said, in 01 and 02, he had two series of 12 figures. Like, first, you know, the first series had six, second series had six. And they were called Tortured Souls. There was another six action figure set in 2004 called the Infernal Parade. Now, those were co-created with Todd McFarlane. But I'm not sure if the uh, Tortured Souls set was or not. It could have been. Wouldn't surprise me if it was, but... So basically, there's been three separate sets of six figures that have come out, you know, from 01 to 04. Uh, so I guess we're not sure which one you've got <laughs> that, uh, that 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 yeah. falls in line with. But basically, both of those series had like novelettes that he came out with that uh, have like backstories, and there's a story that has something to do with the figures of those sets. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The management of this drive-in theater is happy to announce you can enjoy your favorite form of movie entertainment regardless of rain. No longer will it be necessary to let rain spoil your fun. Now you can keep your windshield clear and dry with a drizzle guard. Simply attach it to your windshield, and in a jiffy, you're enjoying the movie without constantly running your windshield wipers. But going back to his uh, novels, in 2002, he started the Books of Aberat series. There's three of those. Uh, 2002 Aberat, 2004 Days of Magic, Knights of War, and then in 2011 Absolute Midnight. 2007 Mr. Be Gone, 2009 Mr. Maximilian Bacchus and his Traveling Circus, <laughs> and <laughs> then there's a, a, the the last novel that's listed here. It's called Deep Hill. Now apparently that I guess he's still working on that, or that just hasn't been released yet because it just says TBA. So. I think that's kind of one of the last ones that he's been working on, and it just doesn't exist yet. Uh, there's been a few short story collections. Like I said, Books of Blood from 84 to 85. Uh, in 2000, The Essential Clive Barker Selected Fiction. That contains more than 70 excerpts from novels and plays and four full-length short first tales in 2013. Uh, and then in 2015, Tonight Again, Tales of Love, Lust, and Everything in Between. And that has 32 short stories in it. And then there's another short story collection that hasn't come out yet called Fear Eternal. Uh, he has a number of uh, nonfiction books, like about his art, and he has an essay. So uh, a, a lot of the uh, the art books will be like the st his illustrations and stuff like that. And like we, uh, like I mentioned, he has worked on comics. Um, he, he even had like an imprint for Marvel Comics. I think it was called like Razorline back in the early to mid '90s. And he's even dipped his toes and uh, worked with video games. There's been four video games, a fifth that was canceled in 2006. 1990, Clive Barker's Nightbreed, the action game. Same year, Clive Barker's Nightbreed, the interactive movie. 
2001, Clive Barker's Undying. And then 2007, Clive Barker's Jericho. And in 2006, there was a canceled game called Clive Barker's Demonic. Literally, I mean, I know that's a, a, that's a lot of information thrown at you, but you can just see how much stuff this dude has worked on uh, throughout the years. Um, I thought it was also uh, kind of funny to note, he was an executive producer for the 1998 movie Gods and Monsters, which was a semi-fictional tale of Frankenstein director James Whale's la uh, last years. And that actually won an Academy Award for Best Adapted Screenplay. Barker's quote on the project, you know, working on the project was, Well was gay, I'm gay. Well was English, I'm English. Well made some horror movies, and I've made some horror movies. <laughs> it seemed as if I should be helping to tell his story. So <laughs> That's actually a pretty good movie. I don't know if you've ever had a chance. To, have you ever watched Gods and Monsters? Uh, yes. Yeah, I did see it. Not in the theaters, but I think I saw it shortly after it came out on video back then yeah i mean it's obviously a drama you yeah. know it's kind of kind of a sobering tale of like you know james well at the end there you know but it's still it's a really well done movie with uh ian mckellen and uh brendan Fraser in it and uh obviously like i said it it won an academy award and we don't often get to talk about movies and things that have won an academy award on our podcast so <laughs> i felt it was worth mentioning that too but i thought that was a pretty funny quote by uh, clive barker on that once again dude's dude has led an interesting life like i said male prostitute in his early years <laughs> i'm assuming this must have been sometime in the 70s you know when he's doing this i saw also too uh it said when he was three years old uh he witnessed the french skydiver leo valentin uh plummet to his death during a performance at an air show in liverpool and when I looked at looked at that, because I'd never heard of it, like this is one of those dudes that, like you know, used to like, he was a Birdman or whatever. He'd come out of a plane with like wooden wings or whatever the hell, and then he'd fly around. Um, apparently, um, some of the Beatles were there too that day that the dude like I, I guess like the stunt went wrong and he basically just his parachute failed and he fell to the earth and died. And uh, so Clive Barker was there. I think like uh, John Lennon and Paul McCartney were there <laughs> when this happened. Um, cause it happened in, uh, was it 1957? No, no, 1956. Yeah, here it is. Paul McCartney and George Harrison were also in attendance. Now, of course, that's not like it, it's not, it's not like Clive Barker, Paul McCartney and George Harrison are hanging out. Like they said there was like almost a hundred thousand people watching this go down. Like, cause I'm assuming this would be a big deal. You know, some big stunt guy comes, you know, comes in to do his uh, show there in Liverpool and uh, he fell straight to the ground and died. <laughs> and uh, and it just so happened that Paul McCartney and George Harrison were there. And a really young Clive Barker, I guess his parents took him, you know, to see this. And then, But apparently he has mentioned this in some of his writings and stuff. You know, that I guess he has some recollection of this or just the fact that it happened or something like that. So I thought that was kind of interesting. He's also had some uh, health issues over the years, too. Like back in, like, uh, I, I guess the uh, mid-2000s. Uh, he had some polyps in his throat where he had to have a surgery to, to remove it because apparently he was only getting, like, so much air into his lungs, you know, like, that he was supposed to be getting more air, and this was, like, I guess slowing the air down. So, like, he had uh, at least two surgeries to kind of, like, take this out, and it kind of changed his voice and everything. And then in 2012, uh, I guess, you know, unrelated to that, he actually went into a coma for several days because uh, he got toxic shock syndrome from when he went to the dentist, uh, and it, they had like what they call a spillage of poisonous bacteria went into his bloodstream and it almost killed him. Uh, luckily, you know, he, he obviously pulled through, but um, 
yeah, that's that was pretty messed up. And apparently, uh, I, I guess some of his, uh, you know, uh, I, I guess because of these things that have happened in his life, you know, I guess he kind of sees that, like, well, life is short or whatever. So, like, I think that has something to do with his novel Deep Hill, uh, which will, you know, eventually come out where he kind of puts some of his his personal thoughts and everything into that book. So um, that'll be interesting to read once that eventually comes out. And one more little note I found that apparently uh, as of 2015, he's a member of the Board of Advisors for the Hollywood Horror Museum, which apparently is a thing that, like, uh, is, uh, I guess, supposed to happen but hasn't happened yet. As of, uh, what, six years ago, he was a member of the Board of Advisors for that. So that would be kind of cool if that becomes a thing and they get some cool horror movie props and stuff like that in Hollywood. It might be worth the trip, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. A horror museum. Yeah, yeah. In Hollywood, you would imagine they'd be able to get some cool yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah, props and everything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Really, I mean, that that's kind of, I, I mean, I know, we, like I said, I was, I'm throwing a lot of titles of movies and books and stuff at you, but, like, you know, really when you're talking about a guy like this has really dipped his toes and done so much different stuff, uh, you know, there's a lot to go through. You know, that's, you're, you're talking literally 40-something 40, 40 years of, uh, of, a, of a man's artistic works, you know, to kind of go through and just, you know, 20 or 30 minutes here but we're, we're not doing his obituary by any you know by any stretch here you know we're just kind of going through all the things that you would know about and enjoy so um did you have anything else to add about clive barker and his work i mean like myself uh we were talking all fair i i've never had a chance to just sit down and read one of his books i just never have for whatever reason like i'm a huge stephen king fan and i've just never sit down and, uh, and read a clive barker book i mean what about you uh, yeah i was gonna say probably the first what I saw or read first before. I mean, I know what book I read first from, but I can't remember if I read this book first or if I saw one of the movies first. But anyways, it's The Inhuman Condition, which is a, the collection of short stories. We You mentioned one of the stories out of it, The Body Politic, earlier. And uh, that was the first, well, it was a short collection of short stories, but it's the first literature from Ty Barker that I ever read. And, uh, and it was before Hellraiser came out that I read it. Uh, I might have seen... Because Rawhead Rex came out first, I believe, right, as far as movies that he had a hand in. He wrote the story for it anyway, yeah. or the short story that it was based on. Uh, yeah, uh, Underworld and then Rawhead Rex. I'm pretty sure I saw Rawhead Rex before I'd ever seen Hellraiser, but at the time I saw Rawhead Rex, I didn't know Clive Barker's name, really. Mm-hmm. And I think it was uh, at the time, probably re- reading like Fangoria magazine about Hellraiser or whatever coming out, and that's when I'd learned about Clive Barker and whatever, and then I bought the book, The Inhuman Condition, and uh, the, the blurb also on the front uh, by Stephen King is one that was reprinted on like just about every Clive Barker novel that ever came out afterwards, but I guess Stephen King did a blurb for him that said, uh, I've seen the future of horror and its name is Clive Barker. Yeah. Uh, that blurb got you know put on like every, just about every paperback. Oh yeah, I've seen uh, that. Like, hell, I think they even put that in like the Hellraiser trailer or something like that. I believe it was. Oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and so that that shining endorsement because I was already well versed in uh, reading Stephen King. So coming across the name Hellraiser in in the in Fangoria magazine, reading about Clive Barker, the guy who was creating Hellraiser when it was you know when it was going to get released, and then uh, being in the bookstore and seeing the name on there, and then seeing Stephen King endorsing it, like so I picked that up, and that was the first thing I ever read was The Inhuman Condition. And uh, but later on, I read. Uh, Hellbound, Hellbound Heart. After I'd seen the Hellraiser movie, what was that? Uh, not, I don't think I ever read the Damnation Game. That was one of the first novels I've read. 
I do have it, but I haven't got I, one of the ones I haven't got around to read yet. Uh, Weave World, I've read Cabal. Uh, I've read that, but I, I saw Nightbreed before I read Cabal. And the thing about Nightbreed, we talked about this all off air. It was it got released in whatever year. I can't remember the year. I believe it was the late eighties, right? I want to say maybe which eighty eight. Which one was that? Nightbreed, or was it even into the nineties? Oh, it might have been nineteen ninety. I can't think. I can't when, think. I can't put a year when, on. When the right movie now. came out. Yeah. Yeah, the movie came out in ninety. Yeah. Oh, ninety. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember seeing that in the theater, and I had not yet read Cabal, but I, but I, yeah, I remember watching. I'm like, but well, this is this is good. I mean, it's it's very well done and everything. The special effects were cool, but it was like something was very much missing, plot wise from it. Mm-hmm. And found out later, uh, that he had, that he had to hack out quite a bit of it to get it into. Theaters are basically because I mean people didn't want to see a two-hour. Well, producers anyways thought that people didn't want to see a two-hour some long you know epic horror movie, and it needed to be trimmed down to the more manageable hour and thirty to hour and forty-minute range. So they chopped out a lot of it, and uh, then they recently, one of us about five or six years ago, put out the DVD of the uncut director's cut version of uh, Nightbreed. Finally got to watch that, and it was and it did it. The plot. Got a lot of questions answered about the plot, but it's been so long since I'd seen the original theatrical version of Nightbreed from the time that I watched the director's cut that there's a lot of stuff that I probably don't know what was in or what was out, you know, so to speak. But I have to do like a side by side comparison of those. Yeah. So there was a good bit, though, put back into that director's cut that made things make a little bit more sense as far as the plot goes. And I believe that director's but, cut was pretty long, too, right? Yeah, I think it's, I can't remember the exact running time on it, but it's pretty sure it was over two hours and actually there's been i think there's been a couple it might be two different cuts one being even longer that had a i want to say there was like a working print that well some of it had been uh remastered and there's some scenes that maybe added back in that were not uh the quality of it wasn't as good as the original film print you know you know how they do sometimes when they can't find sources yeah 35 millimeter source so they'll put it on some from some other source in there mm-hmm. i believe there's some sort of Frankenstein cut like that somewhere out there. Because uh, there was like a big, huge three or four or five disc even limited edition release of the director's cut. That's not the one we got. We got the one that is, has, I believe it has the theatrical cut and the, and the regular director's cut. Like a two or three disc set, maybe. Yeah, I just saw something uh, here. Yeah. Apparently there was a VHS work print dub, dub yeah. called the Cabal Cut. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And I remember seeing some of those back in the day, too, of... Uh, because I used to, you know, used to get these VHS mail order type company things where it was, uh, they called it like, more like a gray market, flat market or gray market, but it was like a, we were getting uncut movies that you couldn't get on actual VHS at the time for whatever reason. Like, a lot, especially like Argento and Fulci films, they would be hacked up to get an R rating for the theatrical release over here, but Japanese laser discs, you know, they would have the uncut version of it and these gray market videos would have the Japanese laser just dubbed onto a VHS. And uh, I do remember seeing some work prints uh, like that, too, like the Night of the Living Dead, the Tom Savini remake. Yeah. There was, like, a work print of that. I never did get the Cabal work print back then, but I think a lot of that that was on that work print back then was put onto this new DVD release and remastered, you know. Yeah, I think it was, like, the brief little blurb I just saw about it. I think it was kind of like they took that and kind of remastered it with some other stuff and it looks like it added almost 45 minutes worth of stuff to it. Yeah. yeah that's a lot yeah. longer. That's half a damn movie. Just, just about it added A little bit on better it. on it. 
that movie kind of was split with fans, you know, as far as, and it's mainly because of all the stuff getting hacked out of it and the plot not making that much sense. A lot of people didn't like that movie that were Clyde Barker fans, too. Yeah. So it did go a long ways towards making it a more coherent film putting that stuff back in there but yeah needless to say like, like i said earlier i mean there there's a uh he's ha- he's led an interesting life you know had a uh he's had an awesome career and uh hopefully it will continue for you know many more years to come you know more uh more and more stuff is being remade rebooted you know as far as the hellraiser and Candyman and all this stuff and you know we're always getting new new versions and uh hopefully he can continue to uh put out new books and everything and Hopefully I'll get around to actually reading some of his books because uh, that, that's one I've always wanted to get around to. I mean, I've known the name Clive Barker since I was a kid and just never sat down and read any of it, you know, for whatever reason. So uh, I'm going to change that sometime soon. But um, And I'm sure we'll I get, I'm sure we'll one get to the work reason on. why the Splatter got, I mean, not, not Splatter movies, but you ever heard, you heard of the term Splatterpunk before mm-hmm. when it comes to sure. uh, I think he's one of the catalysts for that whole Splatterpunk splatterpunk subgenre just because you know Stevie King has his moments of like extreme gore in his novels he'll go there and stuff but you know, like Clyde Barker went even further <laughs> at the time that was one of his things and then it kind of started this whole other market for like more extreme splatter or whatever in horror literature I think it I think that whole splatterpunk genre kind of owes him a debt of gratitude you just it just reminded me for some reason uh uh when I was doing some research for this and pulling up some of this stuff, I, I saw something about like the, uh, naming the, you know, the fact that the the lead Cenobite is called Pinhead. Where like, yeah, I never, mm-hmm. I never named it that. He's like, he said some kind of some yeah. some production guy or something. I guess on maybe the first movie or one of the movies, just just decide, just called it Pinhead and then it just stuck. So like they never, he never actually said like, yeah, this guy's name is Pinhead or anything like that. Because I think yeah. he, I think he said he wrote that in one of his, you know, one of the later Hellraiser books, that like, he actually made, you know, quote unquote, Pinhead address it. Like that's not my, you know, that's not my name, you know, some, something like that. But I just thought that was interesting though that like, you know, he, it's one of the characters that like we talked about in the Hellraiser uh, review last week. He, he's arguably one of the horror characters that's, you know, if he's not on that. Mount Rushmore, he's like Rushmore adjacent, right? You know, he's one of the more recognizable characters in horror and horror film history. But everybody calls him Pinhead when really his name is Frank or some shit, right? You know, like his name is something else. It doesn't matter what his name is. But like even in the credits for the original Hellraiser, it just says Lead Cenobite. You know, it's just funny that it stuck that way. But uh, you say yeah. Pinhead, everybody knows what you know knows what you're talking about now. But so yeah, I guess that's really about all we have to say about Clive Barker. And I, and I know we'll get into more and more of his work. Obviously, we're going to continue on the Hellraiser series. You know, especially once we get into next year, we'll dip in and out of it. But uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of his other works too, like eventually Candyman, Nightbreed, Lord of Illusions, all that stuff. We'll get to it eventually. Trust me. Who knows? Maybe, maybe even next year. Yeah, Rawhead Rex, Underworld, any of that stuff. You know, we'll we will hit it eventually. Next episode will come out next monday november 22nd episode 83 where we're going to be talking into the dark pilgrim it's our latest venture into the end of the dark series but i'll go ahead and read the synopsis for this particular uh, like it's always hard to describe this whether it's a a movie series or or a tv series because even on top of that it's on hulu so it's kind of like i think of it more of like a holiday themed movie series than i do a television series but uh, either way, this one's called Pilgrim, and the synopsis is, 
a woman invites reenactors to produce an authentic first Thanksgiving for her family and friends. However, things take an unexpected turn when the actors refuse to break character. Uh, and it was directed by Marcus Dunstan. Um, so this th- this will be interesting. Now, the uh, this End of the Dark series is produced by uh, Blumhouse, you know, Jason Blum and everything. So that, you know, at least it has that going for it. So <laughs> hopefully, like we said, it can't get much worse than Crawlers. So hopefully this one will be better than that. Uh, that Because that one is cumulatively our lowest scored movie you know, that we've ever talked about episode 54 crawlers. So, uh, hopefully n- nothing but uphill, uh, from that one for this. So we'll find out next week as we celebrate Thanksgiving and, uh, come and get your chicken. I mean, your Turkey and, uh, <laughs> get, gather around the whole, the old, uh, the old dinner table there and, uh, go over to Hulu and watch into the dark pilgrim and then come back next Monday, to share our Thanksgiving festivities with us. So, For Will and for Donnie, who couldn't be with us, for Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Horror Podcast, and we will talk to you next week. Please replace the speaker on its rack when you're ready to leave. Failure to do so will damage both the speaker and your car. We'll be grateful, and so will the patrons who follow you.